What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. It's late Monday night. I was hosting bets earlier this afternoon with Andre Simone. That was fun. Got a few right, got a few wrong. Um, took Arizona to, to cover a 12-point spread. They won by 11, so that was kind of a tough one, but hit a couple as well. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Trey McBride just kind of getting everything he needed out of the Senior Bowl experience. We're, we're going to have him on the podcast here soon. But today, I just kind of wanted to go over the benefit of him going down there, the the solid impression that he made, talk about some of the the teams that could potentially be in the mix for him when the draft comes along. Obviously, we still have the combine, and he has you know another opportunity to, to further cement kind of his status as the best tight end in the country. But he's already off to a great start. After that, we're going to talk about a big basketball game for CSU Men's Hoops. They play at Nevada Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Mountain Time. They just took San Diego State to the wire on the road without their two best players. So they're a little bit frisky. You know, that's a that's a weird team to, to kind of try and get a grip on. Before we get into all of that, something to keep in mind for our homeowners. With prices going up, it's creating natural equity in your home. If you have mortgage insurance, chances are you can refinance out of that and make the bubble work for you. If you're in the buyer's market, you know how stressful trying to buy a house is right now, especially in Colorado. I mean, the housing market, it's absurd out here. And that's why you want to work with my friends, Mike and Virginia Chevalier, who are going to take the burden off this extremely difficult process. They're going to alleviate so much stress. Just take some of that worry off of your plate. They have a fun perk for DNVR listeners. If you go to dnvrmortgage.com, you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. As mortgage brokers, they're able to shop over a dozen lenders with many products to find the right fit for you. They want their borrowers to know who they're working with and not feel bounced around. They take the time to help their borrowers be as informed as they want every step of the way. And Mike and Virginia are going to focus on taking the burden off folks so they can focus on their home being a home not just a house. Remember, when you go to dnvrmortgage.com, you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. Get set up with that free consultation to discuss all your options. You can also call Mike directly at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Or again, just go to dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. You know, the thing that makes Chevalier Mortgage so clutch is just the fact that they're consistent. You know, consistency is key when it comes to this type of investment. And it's a similar deal with NFL teams investing in first-round talent. And I think what Trey McBride really proved at the Senior Bowl is he is a safe investment. Is he a Kyle Pitts-type athlete? No, but he's a tremendous athlete in in a different way. He's a true tight end. I mean, Kyle Pitts... Let's be real. He's more of a wide receiver. Same with, you know, when you look at Cole Turner of Nevada, a very talented player, but he's not going to be in line, you know, making big blocks for you. He's a stretch the field type of guy, a red zone threat. And and there's obviously value in that. But Trey McBride is an every down tight end. You know, he can pass block. He can run block. He can move the chains for you. His hands are so reliable. I mean, that's what Andre came on and talked about on the podcast. You know, the, the thing that really stood out 
about Trey at the Senior Bowl during the practices, which are even more important than the game, was the fact that while everybody else was struggling to catch the ball, wide receivers included, Trey was out there catching everything. And I mean, we're not shocked as CSU fans how it was so rare to see him drop a ball. He's more likely to take a pass that should be incomplete and find a way to come down with it than he is to to drop a catchable pass. I mean, that's just the type of dependable receiving option that he is. I mean, he's perfect for the modern game, and it, it was really cool to see him score a touchdown in, in the game. Obviously, I said the practices are more important, and he made a really strong impression throughout those practices. I don't even know if he necessarily even needed to play. I'm I'm not surprised at all if he did. I mean, if they if they went to Trey McBride and they were like, hey, man, you've made a good enough impression. You probably don't need to play. He'd be like, no, I'm, I'm definitely going to play. I mean, that's just the type of competitor that he is. And, and for the record, you know, I'm not reporting that. I don't know if that conversation happened. I, you know, we texted a little bit, but I haven't had a chance to really go in depth with Trey on the senior bowl or, you know, what his representatives were telling him or anything like that. And you know, that might be an in-house type thing that he wouldn't be able to comment on publicly anyways. But regardless, you know, it was really cool to see him score a touchdown. They scheme him open. You know, they they start him on the left side of the field, run a little play action, get him wide open going towards the front pylon. And I think a lot of CSU fans, you know, they were obviously excited for Trey. And it was great to see him representing on a big stage in the green CSU helmet, you know, classic green and gold. I mean, that's great for the brand altogether. But I know that everybody else also had the same thought that I did, and that was, man, <laughs> I wish they could have found a way to, to do this for Trey more in the regular season. I mean, the fact that he went 12 games with with one touchdown, and it's not even the it's not even that he just had one touchdown. It was just the lack of red zone targets that he had altogether that was was insane. And I get that it's always, you know, complicated. Sometimes the defense really is going to be keying on him, but that's why you got to get creative and, and find ways to to draw him open. And we saw that, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as scheming your best player open. And they did that at the Senior Bowl. Steve Adazio, he never did that for Trey. And I want to be clear because I think John Budmeyer took a lot of heat for that. Based on everything that I've been told, Budmeyer basically called it up the called everything up until the red zone, and then Adazio basically took over in the red zone. So, you know, that that was on him. And kudos to Trey because, you know, he stayed true to his team. He stayed committed by his teammates like he did throughout his entire career. And he said all the right things publicly, which is good. I mean, you don't want to be thought of as a diva, especially in this NFL draft evaluation process. But Trey, you know, he always defended the coaches, you know, said they're doing what they can to, to get him the ball. And I mean, he knew, but he played it right. And, and just like the Senior Bowl, he got exactly what he needed out of the regular season. I mean, again, it would have been great to see him score more touchdowns, but he had one of the best, you know, season totals reception-wise, yardage-wise, by a, a tight end ever, and obviously capped off with a Mackey Award, you know. He has some hardware that states he is the best tight end in the country. Also has some hardware from the Senior Bowl saying he was the, the best tight end on the national team, which, again, tight end was probably the most stacked position at the senior bowl this year it's a really deep class so the fact that trey is revered this highly in this class says something he went down there he showed it on the field he squared off against elite competition and again you know we already had this conversation with dre so i'm not going to go on and on about it but it's just so valuable for these g5 guys especially to get an opportunity to show their abilities against 
you know, some of the the top talent, you know, from the SEC, the Big Ten, et cetera. Because, you know, much like basketball, the Mountain West is never going to get the benefit of the doubt. And it's crazy when you look at the amount of talent that's coming out of this conference over the last decade, especially. But it is what it is. You know, Trey went down there. He took care of business every single day, was one of the best players on the field every single day. He played really well in the game, scored a touchdown, got absolutely everything that he needed out of the senior bowl experience. And, you know, I, he's, I, I'm willing to say he's at least a top 40 pick. And if he can run a 4-6-40, he's going to be a first round pick. You know, like he is that talented and people are going to fall in love with him. He's just like a meat and potatoes type guy. Obviously, I know him. I'm pulling for him. You know, I am biased in that regard. But everything that I'm saying is based on what he's done on the field and what important people in draft circles have been consistently saying about him now for basically a year. I mean, the process is funky. So he very well could slip out of the first round. I mean, we all know that there are players that are good enough to go that sometimes slip out just based on how the draft goes ahead of him. You know, if there's a team that was interested in Trey and, you know, the, the mid to late 20s, but let's say somebody that could have gone in the top 10 to 15 slips all the way down there. And then all of a sudden, you know, the team is faced with a tough task. You know, we like Trey a lot, but do we go with him or do, do we go with this guy who we had on, you know, top 10 in our board? It's, it's just a really wonky process altogether. But Trey is going to be a top 40 pick. Like if he does happen to slip out of the first round, he's going to go in the second round really quickly, especially with the teams that have picks. I wanted to, to kind of lay out some of the picks so that you guys could kind of, I don't know, just kind of keep an eye on what type of moves these guys make and, and all that. Um, there is a scenario where I could see Trey going like as high as 15. And I, I don't think that's necessarily very likely just because teams don't necessarily take tight ends that high. Typically, I mean, we did see Kyle Pitts do it. It's a new era. Somebody could just fall in love with him. But the reason that I say 15 is that Philadelphia has three picks between 15 and 20. They have the 15th pick, the 16th pick, and the 19th pick. Now, realistically, they, they probably make some type of move. I don't know if they're actually going to make three first-round selections. We'll see. I mean... Again, you, you never really know what these teams are thinking, but Philly could really use a tight end. I mean, you look at, they, they dealt Zach Ertz to Arizona this season. They're missing that component. They're a big run-first team. Trey's going to be a great blocker. He's going to be great out of the play action. I mean, I, he would be a really a natural fit. I will say, I'm not really sure what the, the plan is there long-term as far as the quarterback situation goes. And I think we all just want Trey to land in a good spot. The bonus from a CSU fan perspective, if he did happen to land on the Eagles, is that every single game in the NFC East is nationally broadcast. So even if you're in Colorado, you know, you're going to be able to see those Eagles Giants games, Eagles Cowboys games, Eagles Redskins. I mean, literally like half of them are on Sunday night football and the other half of them are like a 2.30 game of the week on Fox. If he didn't go to the Eagles, another team that I could see making sense would be New England at 21. Now, I think a wide receiver is more likely, but that's, you know, classic Patriots is to zag, especially when nobody expects it. I mean, Mac Jones with Trey McBride would be a really nice combination. And again, it's just a team that historically has has really valued tight ends. They a couple years ago took Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech. That's a, a local guy that played his high school ball at Chatfield. 
Whenever the Pats have been the most successful, though, throughout the Bill Belichick era, they've had a good tight end. I mean, in the early 2000s, it was Daniel Graham, another Mackey Award winner at a CU. Obviously, Gronkowski and, and Aaron Hernandez, although that ended up being a weird situation, but he was a baller on the field, and for a while, they were really successful with those two tight ends playing together. Belichick is an old-school guy. He's constantly taking players that you know surprise people when... You know, there's a big time wide receiver there, you know, on the board from like USC or something. And he takes some guy out of a small school that everybody's like, what? I mean, that would be a classic bill to take a tight end out of Colorado State and, you know, instead of the tight end, instead of the wide receiver from the SEC or, you know, whoever it is. I will say if Jamison Williams is there, it feels like it makes way too much sense for them, especially with Mac Jones already in the building. And they've really taken a ton of Alabama players of late. But, as much as I would hate to see Trey play for New England, I would love to see him end up in a stable situation like the Patriots organization. At 23, the Arizona Cardinals pick. And again, I, th- I feel like he would be really natural in that offense. Again, a run first offense, a ton of play action, seeing Kyler Murray scramble around, you know, dumping it off to Trey would be a ton of fun. Another good spot from a CSU selfish perspective, from a CSU fan perspective, I mean, is that Phoenix is obviously really close. It's cheap to get there. If he ends up somewhere like, you know, Foxborough or, you know, on the other, even, or the Jets, who we'll get to in a little bit, that's a, that's a pricey trip to be able to go out to New York and see him play. Phoenix would be much more preferable from the Ram fans perspective. I will say um, I'm somewhat conflicted on on whether it's actually a good landing spot for him first off i mean that's one of the best divisions in football you got to go up against the rams and the 49ers who both appear to be set to be competitive at least for the next couple of years we'll see what happens with seattle as far as a rebuild goes but even just san francisco and la that's a tough division and going to seattle is always hard even if they're not you know a contender like they had been but really the reason that I would be skeptical about Arizona being a good landing spot for him is I just don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, he seems to be the the only coach that made Patrick Mahomes look, I don't know, like not great. And maybe that's unfair of me to say, but when you look at his Texas Tech tenure, when you look at his start in the NFL so far with Arizona, it's always a hot start. And then they just kind of collapse down the stretch and kind of show their true colors and I don't know. It's just a really odd situation. Like he gets fired at Texas Tech, lends the offensive coordinator job at USC, and somehow then becomes head coach of Arizona, like without even being the offensive coordinator. Just, I don't know, has really failed upwards in his career. And now it seems like there's a whole dramatic situation with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, although it may be nothing. You know, I will say, I think we make way too much out of, oh, this player's not following his team on Twitter or Instagram. Maybe he just doesn't want to see all the posts. NFL teams, they they post a lot on their social media handles. You know, I love the Broncos. My family's been going my whole life. You know, my grandpa's been going since the late 60s. But there are times where even I'm like, I don't know, this is a bit much, especially when you follow, you know, the Broncos on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you just see the same shit over and over again. I could see why, you know, maybe he just wants a break from that. I mean, football is his life. I don't know. I just think sometimes we make big deals out of this. Maybe it is something again, you know, maybe it's Kyler being dramatic. The whole scrub your Instagram page of all the, the pictures with the team is it's a childish move in my opinion, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting old too. You know, it's, it is a point where I am, you know, older than all these players, but the social media drama just feels silly. 
Anyways, getting back on track at 26, the Tennessee Titans pick. And man, does he feel like a Mike Vrabel type player? Obviously, their identity is running the ball. I mean, you pair him with Derrick Henry. Talk about just having some nasty dudes on the field at one time. I mean, Trey McBride as a lead blocker, just going through somebody. Then you got Derrick Henry coming behind him, just dropping his shoulder, going straight through multiple defenders. <laughs> it would just be a lot of fun to watch naturally. It sets up a lot of play action opportunities. I think that's a really winnable division. I think Nashville's an affordable place for CSU fans to travel to. So there'd be a lot of benefits of him landing with the Titans. And I do think, you know, they're one of the 10 to 12 teams in, in the NFL that realist, realistically have a chance to contend for a Super Bowl. You know, I'm not 100% sold on Ryan Tannehill, but I think you could do a lot worse than him. And we know that the hard way in Denver, but I think it would be a really good fit. As would Miami at 29, uh, more expensive to travel to from CSU fans' perspective. And I'm just throwing those out there. You know, that's not, you know, a real reason necessarily to, to, vote for a team to draft him or not, but they just hired Mike McDaniel out of the, the Shanahan tree. Another Colorado guy obviously has played a part in helping develop George Kittle. I would say George Kittle is probably the best comparison for Trey McBride. And I don't want to get too ahead of myself because you know, Kittle is incredible, but McBride has the ability to make that type of impact much like Tennessee. I'm not really sure what to make of Miami's quarterback situation moving forward. I love Tua, but he's just, he's inconsistent and he suffered some really brutal injuries. I will say with the right scheming, you know, he's really intelligent. He did rely on tight ends a lot, so I think it would be a good spot for him. But any of these teams with a strong running identity, I think would just make sense. If he does slip out of the first round, obviously somebody could trade into the back into the first round late if they really loved him. The Jets pick at 35 and 38. All the reports are that New York absolutely loves him. I don't think they're going to use a top 10 pick on him, but you know, as I don't know, I will say New York doesn't really feel like a city. Trey McBride would, would love to live in. The jets don't have a super proud history of late. I do think they have some things going in the right direction. I believe in Robert Sala as a coach defensively. There's a lot to like, and I think Zach Wilson really flashed down the stretch. He's an athletic quarterback. Great on the, on the run really a guy that can improvise and, and just kind of make plays happen. And Trey McBride is good in those scramble scenarios as well. I don't know. I, I, I could see it being a good situation. It is going to be a tough division. You still have to go against the Patriots and Bill Belichick. That's always tough. And then obviously the, the, the bills and Josh Allen, but we'd get that again, you know, Josh Allen versus Trey McBride would kind of be like the old days in the mountain West. Finally, if all these teams are crazy and they continue to let them slip, the Broncos do have a pick at 40, and I know that they have Noah Fant and Albert Okuebnam on the roster, but Trey McBride's better than either of those guys. That's just the truth. And, you know, Denver, they've, they've had a front row seat to Trey's dominance. You know, it would be awesome to see him land with the orange and blue. Obviously, I'm selfish, but I think Trey would love a chance to, to rep his hometown team. And I know all the local fans would love getting to see him. I mean, there would be so many Broncos McBride jerseys. It would be epic. All right, obviously a big hoops game coming up Tuesday night. We're going to transition over to that. But first, the moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet $5, get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If you're not a new customer, you can experience Super Bowl 56 with 
Super Bowl 56 props. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more lets more legs you add, the more legs you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code DNVR and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet $5, get 280 free bets if your team wins. Again, the promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Speaking of the Super Bowl, if you're going to have a Super Bowl party, maybe you're going to your buddies. If you're in the metro area, the best pizza in town is Sexy Pizza. If you came to any of our Broncos tailgates, we had it, we had their pizza and wings and knots at all of them. It was amazing. I miss that about as much as I miss, you know, going to the NFL games. They have a kick-ass deal starting Saturday, February 12th through Sunday, February 13th. Our fans can get two 16-inch pizzas for $29.99 when they order online using the promo code SEXYSUPERBOWL. Go to www.sexy.pizza and again, the code is SEXYSUPERBOWL, no spaces. What is Sexy Pizza, you ask? They have 13 years in the Denver community. They're as local as it gets. It's a hand-tossed deck oven pizza with made-from-scratch each morning dough. They have a 12-inch, a 16-inch, or an 18-inch crust so they have the right fit for you. They've got all the fixins when it comes to wings, salads, pasta, knots, dessert options. They also have vegan options and a delicious 12-inch gluten-free crust. It's a can't-miss hit. Again, go to www.sexy.pizza. Order online. Get two 16-inch pizzas for $29.99 when you use the code SEXYSUPERBOWL. Only available Super Bowl weekend. Make your party a hit. All right, the Mountain West season is is obviously really coming down to the wire here. Eight games remaining for the Rams. I think they have to go six and two to be safely in the field. That would give them 23 wins on the regular season. Regular season wins over Creighton and St. Mary's, a couple of teams whose stock seems to be rising, especially St. Mary's. They've been on a tear, seven straight wins. They've cracked the top 25. So now we don't have to listen to any you know, of the of the rivals to say that CSU doesn't have any ranked wins. That's not true. They beat St. Mary's handily in, in Fort Collins. Also have an SEC win over Mississippi State. They've been a little bit up and down. Uh, but really, you know, I, I think six and two, if you win 23 games, I think with the amount of attention that CSU has already had with the non-conference wins, which is the big difference between this year and last year, is just having that opportunity to prove themselves in, in non-conference play, you know, and, and win some of those games, you know, on national TV that just, it goes such a long way. Out of these eight games, you got to at least split with Boise State, I'd say. Probably need to to get that home win over Wyoming. You just don't want to be winless against any of these other top teams, you know, and I think back to that 27-win CSU team that ended up getting snubbed. One of the, the big problems was they got swept by Wyoming that year. And then when the Cowboys won the Mountain West tournament, it basically stole CSU's bid. So you just you want to at least have one win against all these other top teams. It's going to be interesting, though, man. I mean, the trip to Logan is going to be really tough. They're all the way up to 35 in, in Ken Palm. Nevada, you know, on Tuesday night, we'll talk about that game in a sec. It's, it's going to be tough, especially if Sherfield and Washington are back in the lineup. They missed the San Diego State game. 
You got Orlando Robinson and Fresno State coming to town on Friday, and then you got a quick turnaround going to Boise State. Now, Boise State isn't exactly the most hostile atmosphere in the world. I'm, I'm sure at that point, it, it should be a pretty decent crowd. I mean, they're at least given the, the context of the game, you would you would think so. But just a really huge stretch, and, and it all starts with Nevada on Tuesday night. Tough game in Reno. Late start, 9 p.m. Mountain. My condolences to those of you on the East Coast. Ken Palm has CSU winning 78 to 74. We'll see what the spread is in the morning. I'll, I'll tweet about it. You know, Nevada, they have lost five straight. They've been in some of them, uh, especially San Diego State. But they've also gotten blown out in a lot of these games. So I think this is a matchup where if, if CSU, assuming that Sherfield plays, we'll kind of have to see what happens there. If CSU can contain him and get off to a, a hot start, I could see Nevada kind of folding early. I mean, they haven't exactly responded very well to a lot of punches. They did in that San Diego State game. So again, you know, got to give them credit. But that's a little bit of, of a rivalry on, on the hoop side just because Nevada, you know, for a couple of years under Musk, they had a, a nice little nice little ascension, a couple of tournament appearances, and, and those teams played in some big games against each other, both in the regular season and the Mountain West tournament. And, and they were a lot of fun to watch. You could throw Utah State in that mix as well. Um but yeah, I, I, when it comes to Nevada, they just, you know, they rely so much on Sherfield being able to go off against you. And if you can just, you know, limit him to even, you know, like 20 points, you should probably be okay as long as you're defending well as a whole. I mean, I thought the Rams defended great for 34 of 40 minutes, whatever it was, 33 minutes in that San Diego State game. And they kind of fell apart during that that run there. And that was concerning, but... You know, they pulled it out when it matters, and, and now they have a chance to to keep that positive momentum rolling and, and pick up a, an important road win. I mean, the Rams are going to have to be able to win away from Moby Arena if they want to control their own destiny here. They don't have the benefit that Boise State does of, you know, playing six home games to close the stretch. They've only got three more at home, and obviously they've got to go to Reno this week, and then Boise State on Sunday still have to go to uh, Utah State and even the pit, you know, and UNLV, like not, none of those games are going to be cakewalks. They're all winnable games for sure. But this conference is just so deep this year. It's it's actually getting to a point where I think that the the, the league is gonna, definitely going to get three bids. And I, I never think that, to be honest. And, and four is not with that out of the question. I mean, we'll see somebody, you know, if any of these teams really tail off or you know, have like a, a big fizzle out or, you know, get eliminated in the first round of the Mountain West tournament or something that could really hurt their chances, especially if they're, you know, on the fringe. But we're seeing people respect the league this year, and it's good to see. I mean, part of it has to do with, you know, leagues like the ACC and the Pac-12 not being that strong. But shoot, we'll take it at this point, you know. <laughs> and and obviously just a, a huge week, it's seven days, really 14 days. I mean, the rest of the season, however you want to look at it. But this this three-game stretch here, starting with Nevada on Tuesday, Fresno State on Friday, Boise State on Sunday, going to be so huge for the Rams. A couple of really, really hard road games and a challenging home game, you know, sandwiched in between them. Probably got to go against at least two and one. I mean, I, I really think they got to win these first two games here. You can't really afford losses. But Nevada can score with the best of them. I mean, they can they can really heat up. They're one of the more efficient shooting teams when they get going, especially from deep. We'll kind of have to, we'll have to see, you know, how it plays out. CSU, obviously, one of the more efficient teams offensively as well. The, the difference is just that CSU's been 
a little bit more consistent defensively now. The Rams have been a little bit streaky, but I do think CSU has the ability to defend well. They've just been oddly not great at home. Brian Ralph actually pointed that out in a really great article. Brian Ralph of Heat Check. We're going to try and get him on the podcast soon. He did a really great write-up on on CSU and in San Diego State, Wyoming. Just kind of an update on the Mountain West in general. I highly recommend you go check it out. But that was one of the things he mentioned is it might be that CSU is better offensively at home and then, you know, naturally you just kind of rest on your defensive laurels a little bit. But we've always said it, you know, if CSU is going to make any type of legitimate run, it's going to come down to how they can defend and, you know, how you can keep people out of the paint and, you know, prevent some of these guys from going off against you. You know, one person can't necessarily beat you by themselves, but he can do a lot of the the heavy lifting in basketball. And we've seen that with Maldonado and, and Hamilton and even, you know, even Matt Bradley and, and the couple times they played San Diego State. So this is a huge, huge test for CSU. Chance for them to pick up a, a road win that they need desperately. If they could win it handily, that would be huge for the metrics. But more than anything, you just have to find a way to win. So... I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Really going to be a fun game. I know you guys are, are looking forward to it. Keep up with all of our post-game content. We'll have social content throughout. Uh, have a, a podcast tomorrow. I'll have takeaways. I'll have a game piece. All of the stuff we tend to do. Uh, also, keep an eye out. We're going to have Nico Carvacho on the podcast. Hopefully tomorrow. That's the plan. Uh, definitely in the next couple of days. It was great to see him out in Fort Collins. Just uh, good to see him smiling and stuff. You know, it's I feel so bad for him having torn his ACL. It's just such a tough process mentally. And I think it was probably good for him to get out here and, you know, just get that warm welcome, which, cause he deserves it, man. Like nobody went through more bullshit in Fort Collins than Nico Carvacho. So it's cool that he gets to come back and, and get all the love and get all the appreciation that he deserves. I mean, that's a dude that's probably not going to have to pay for beers in Fort Collins for the rest of his life. All right, that's all we have for today. Make sure you keep up with all of our content. Much love to all of you. Stay safe. Stay warm out there. Peace. I only seem to write when the words, they don't come to me. I'm staring at this page, and I swear it stares back at me. Read between the lines, see the blank and all the happenings. It's been 35, and I ain't even wrote like half a thing. Rhymes that make sense, but more lines that didn't. I was walking with my headphones, heavy bumping pivot. Simplistic white pages, they dreaming we were famous. They say they like the cadence, mark the summers like cicadas. And features, those ain't favors. My mood rings an alligator. Spit like Vader with the saber, steady kicking it like Prater. Staring at white pages. It's habitual behavior, check the flavor, that's some sage advice But confidence a great disguise, and certain lines are idolized Like yeah, I'm fine and I don't mind, it's out of sight, it's out of mind And I've been dwelling on my past just to see what I can find Lost and found memories of places I designed And my imagination's different